Hi, and welcome to this, if you don't mind me asking, uh, webisode, where we're going to be taking a little bit of a look back at some of the conversations we've had in our first series. And just to remind everyone, the aim of this series was to focus on different people's lived experiences of disability. Sharing stories and experiences uh, was a big part of this series, either as a consumer, a citizen at work, in society, or kind of just being a human being, I suppose. In our introduction to the series, Dan and I had a little chat about our own personal lived experience of disability and the commonalities and also some of the differences and fundamentally why disability really matters to us. And we kind of we were playing around with what to call this and we came up with lots of really good alternatives that were probably not broadcastable. Um, and I think some of them are kind of like the one I've had quite a few times is, so what's wrong with you then? which I think is always really pleasant because it's always really nice to tell there's something wrong with you. Um, and yeah. I, I, have you had any good ones where people have sort of come out with the awful things? I think it's just, isn't it? It always comes back to that thing of people sort of trying to punctuate and get through some of the, 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 the stigma because I think we are in a society that it goes one of two ways, which is either really tries to dance around things, in which in which case you just end up ignoring everything, or you go for the you can't say anything anymore, and you go down a route which is then possibly a little bit more uh, insulting or just uh, has no tact whatsoever. We launched the series during our annual conference. Um, are you being served? Uh, welcoming disabled consumers. And uh, Lucy had a conversation with Matthew Johnson, um, who had a great story uh, about how accessibility features in his phone has impacted his life. I don't even know many people know, but it, it, I have it here, actually. It, uh, it's a Google picture phone. I'm not, I'm not trying to promote Google, but um, the Google picture phone provide, uh, had a, a live capture feature, which provided real-time caption. And it provides capture on live streaming media, like YouTube, broadcast, radio, you know, all that. And it's it great. And then about two years ago, they switched on for phone call. And I called my son, who lives in Hong Kong, and I tried it. And he was amazing. I mean, I need to communicate him through Doom or WhatsApp, but it's quite flat. It, uh, it's not 3D, and sometimes I have to ask to repeat. But with the live caption, and uh, we spoke for about half an hour, and he was just amazing. It really was. And, you know, I'm 50, 57, so about two years ago. So, yeah. And for the first time in my life, I was able to um, call like everybody else, to pick up a phone someone. And it's just wonderful. And able to call my son and now I call my doctor, my builder, my banker, anybody. Seriously, I, I use the phone literally every day. Where before that I don't. And that is what inclusive me. Nobody feel left out. It's a really for me, it's a game changer. But it also as a personal one, it's also a life changer because I met my partner and she lived in Paris. And during the lockdown we could only communicate through the phone. And um, I think if I didn't have that live capture feature, I don't think our relationship would work. Mm. Um, and there's one beautiful story. It, uh, we were together and we were 
she was driving on the motorway. And then she said, oh, Matthew, I need to make a phone call. Can you make a call for me uh, while I'm driving? And I looked at her and I thought, wow, you are asking me, a deaf person, to make that call. She tried to decorate it. And it was so beautiful. Next, we spoke to actress, author, and disability campaigner, Samantha Renka, who uh, spoke to us about a great shopping experience that she'd recently had, um, and which proved that sometimes it's just the little things that can make all the difference. And basically, we all just want to be treated as human beings. So, you know, obviously, as we know, disabled people can be um, discriminated against on, on the three levels. So physical barriers. So for me as a wheelchair user, you know, no step free access or, or kind of lifts that are broken and then communication and information. So how we receive that. So, you know, someone with learning disabilities might not um, get enough time with their GP to be able to express themselves properly. And then obviously attitudinal barriers. And that's a big one for me. We've already touched upon inspiration porn. Um, and I, I, that's one that I'm just like, wow, it's, you know, we're all, we've all, guilty of unconscious bias but you know I I think a, a good practice it's always important to highlight the barriers but also it's important to highlight good practice because we all we're all on this journey together you know that's what allyship and advocacy is all about and I love shopping and one of the things that I like to do because I'm I'm often reliant on other people so I have a PA you know um I, I struggle to go out independently I have a hidden disability I battle with anxiety and PTSD from medical trauma but one thing that I feel that I can do independently is go to Westfield Centre, which is a big shopping centre. And I can do that on my own. I'm getting into an uh, accessible taxi. I know where the drop-off point is. I know where the toilets are. I know it's all flat. I know it's great. But then sometimes, you know, I, even within this, this safe space, so to speak, I do see barriers, you know. I know I know they, uh, a lot of the shops had refurbishments, but then they still had the tools incredibly high. It's like, blows my mind. It's like you just spent thousands on, like, refurbishing. So, um, you know, it, it always strikes me when I see good customer service and one experience is in, I believe it was New Look, a fashion shop. And you know what it's like, you've got, you've got like, you see loads of things you like, so you like pile up, pile them up. And I was trying to pile them up onto my lap. And um, I think things were getting caught or I was dropping things. And one of the, one of the, um, um, so the ladies that, um, the, you call them what are the assistants there we go i had the german word in my head i was like no that's not the british word <laughs> uh, the, the shop assistant um came over and there was no kind of fuss there was no you know rushing over like help the disabled person it was just a very simple it's just probably you know only young just came over she's like do you know what great give me them and i'll put them behind the till and when you want them they're there there was no fuss there was no are you okay? No patronizing tones, which we often get. There mm. was her, she saw me. You know, some people may say, oh, why should she assume because I'm disabled, I need help. But you know, like clear, like literally, I could barely see over my over, <laughs> over the pile of clothes. Like that was you I think she would have helped anybody in that situation, you know, if, mm. if a mother was there with a pram trying to pile it onto her. So it was just a very genuine interaction. She preempted my needs. She did it in a no fuss way. She did it in a respectful way, um, and 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 it was great. And it, I just thought, gosh, that is good customer service. And mm -hmm. and and you had that sense of she's a she's either had good training 
or she probably has someone in her family with a disability. And that's, yeah. that's, I normally get that sense from people because they get it spot on. One of my favourite moments of the series was hearing Lamondre Pugh's definition of what disability means to him, his unequivocal style, and I still think we could turn everything he says into a motivational poster. Disability for me is just a part of what makes me me. It's nothing positive. It's nothing negative. It is just a part of who I am. It's 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 no different than me having brown eyes and you know me being a black man. Uh, it's 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 just a part of who I am. It is not the defining point of Lamondre Pugh, but it's certainly a defining point. Um, and it's funny because so often, particularly in society, we ascribe you know, negative and positive characteristics uh, to our traits, when the truth is they are simply a part of who we are. And my disability is simply a part of who I am. Now, does it shape my perspective? Does it shape my experience? Absolutely. But so do so many other things that make up my life. Um, the challenge comes in to when that difference in my life meets a barrier or meets a situation in the world. And I have to figure out how to navigate that particular barrier or situation through the lens of whatever the resistance is, whether it be the fact that I'm male, whether it be the fact that I'm black, or whether it be the fact that I'm a person who has a different way of getting around. So challenges, yeah. Positives, yes, but honestly, it's it's all a part of my existence. It's all a part of my reality. Michael Vermeer from Microsoft spoke to us about how being diagnosed changes experiences and misconceptions. And sometimes how people are so afraid to ask what you need, they make something up and inevitably they just get it wrong sometimes. So with the diagnosis came a couple of tips and self-advocacy opened my world in the sense that I could actually tell people and, and also the reason why in the sense that people are not mind readers. Uh, so they don't know when you have a disability and what you necessarily need and that's fine and they definitely don't know when you have a, an invisible disability. So at one point uh, there was this, I was going to speak at this diversity and inclusion conference about disability and um, things were going a bit fast and not quite as I needed it, wasn't quite clear cut and prepared. And I like to do that. And I know it's better because it gives better results for everybody. And at one point I just thought, okay, I need to convey that I need a bit more information and a bit more clarity. So I said, look, I've got a cognitive disability. You know, I'm trying to understand what's going on here and what we need to do. Could you provide a little bit more clarity and can we work on that? Just, you know, not really going straight and say, I need this. Uh, you know, that's I've learned this is how people interact, all that. You say, I just need this. Can we have a little discussion about this? All that faff, right? And this is my autism yeah. self. And, and the person came back and said, sure. And he started writing all his emails in capital letters. At which point I'm like, okay. I'm just not going to win here. Uh, it's like, 
but you just see those misconceptions sometimes, and, and this is not the only one. Heather Lacey spoke about the insult she has experienced over the years and the way disabilities can be perceived differently, especially when you're looking at how she and her partner feel about their disabilities, with one being born with cerebral palsy and the other acquiring their disability. Yeah, insults. I mean, I'm sure every disabled person, yeah, every disabled person will have come across an insult, um, sometimes on a very daily basis. But I think for me, the most surprising ones have been, you know, questions of, you know, I don't know how you do it. How could you live like that? And for me, I've been born with cerebral palsy. This is this is just my life. Um, you know, I've not known any differently prior to that. Um, so obviously it's an it's a incredibly rude thing to say anyway. I'm not sure you'd say that about, yeah. well, a lot of people wouldn't say that about other things that maybe you just, I don't know, you're born with brown hair, like, oh, yeah. oh I could never, could never do it. Um, so yeah, obviously terrible thing to say. Um, but also I think there's this very real um, difference in the way disabilities perceived particularly when someone's born disabled and when someone acquires a disability now I always bring um, Andrew my my fiance his example into this so he has MS so you know we're a household I have cerebral palsy he has MS we have a great a great time just a neurological condition household um, but as a result you know he's had a life sort of pre-MS and pre-MS mm -hmm. diagnosis and he can sort of you know think back to how things maybe were for him um and I don't have that so I think that's a re it's a really interesting interesting point because a lot of people who are born disabled I think they you know they just can't yet conceive that this would even be a thought that someone would have you know how do you cope I could, I could never deal with that because what we do it's just our everyday right yeah. um and I think there's there is a difference in the disability community for people who become disabled and people who have always been disabled because there is that difference in perception in actual real life as well you know they they can see what life was like before so it's a real interesting um, dynamic and I think the contrast I feel like I'm far more along if you like in my my disability identity and how I feel about identifying as a disabled person whereas someone who seems to acquire a disability I think is more likely to not want to say that they're disabled not want to give in or they have mm. you know language around that not giving in wanting to battle fight be a warrior um, mm. and I don't find that very useful I don't think that's a useful um, way to, to frame things because no one has to fight um, their disability or illness um, it's just sometimes a part of your life and you know it's a part of who you are and I think whether you're born with it or or you you develop it it's just another sort of beautiful facet of you know the variety that we have of people it's just a, a facet of normal isn't it Heather mentioned there the comment I don't know how you do it uh, how could you live like that which was very similar to comments that we discussed with Chantelle Emery, who told us about her experience of raising three children uh, with complex needs. I suspect you get kind of a lot of pity from other 
parents in particular, oh, you poor thing, how do you cope? Or I don't know how you do it. And I think in many ways it probably comes from a good place. But actually, I think if you've had that three or four times a day, it actually becomes quite insulting, actually, and quite hurtful, I'd imagine. But but how do you find those kind of reactions from people? And, and do you get much of that, I suppose, is the question. You're absolutely right. Every day. <laughs> Like people say, I don't know how you do it. You are right. I think it probably doesn't come from, I don't know how you do it, but it actually come from like, wow, I don't know how you do it. But, um, you know, we don't really take it too personally when people ask like that because you don't really know <laughs> until you've been put in that position. You don't know how you will act. Um, and for us, you know, we've got a whole mindset of being grateful. Um, so, and we also teach it to our, like our kids, all our kids. And we started doing something in lockdown um, where we went like, I'm grateful for every day and do like a one minute video on Facebook or, you know, over social media channels where the family gets together, quickly tell us what you're grateful for. Um, everybody tells what they're grateful for today, just to create that habit to see like I'm grateful for something because in the morning you have to really think like, hmm, I must remember to think what I'm grateful for today for tonight's um you know for tonight's video and we started doing that and we could really see like a change even with us as a family um as well as you know as well as our kids COVID-19 has obviously been a hot topic over the last few years but in recent times news headlines have changed and precautions that were the norm have once again become an afterthought but for millions of people in the UK and around the world, normal life still isn't possible. We spoke to BDS George Wright about the precautions that she still has to take and how people's perceptions have changed around COVID-19. I have got a first line of defence where I've I've had to, um, like I had to have some surgery in December. So um, I, I have this. Um, which is a FFP3 uh, mask. So hopefully nothing's getting through that bad boy or bad girl in my case. Can we just describe that for people who are listening to this rather than watching it? Would you like to describe it or shall I? <laughs> Do you know, in, in many ways, so it's, it's a large mask that covers a huge, you know, obviously your mouth and your nose, but very heavy. I'd say it's like plastic. It's bright blue. It's quite a funky colour. I'm quite loving it. For me, it almost looks a little, I'm going to say a gas mask in terms of description for people mm -hmm. um, with industrial. large, mm -hmm. yeah, something something with large filters on the side, I'd guess, and sort of a nose at the end of it almost, I think, probably that holds the filters in or something. So it's it's pretty, and if you just talk for us, is it really muffled or can we hear you? I've been told that it's okay. So you know what? That is surprisingly pretty good, actually, oh, yeah. We had to get some work done in the house a few weeks ago, and I had to carry on working during this time, but clearly I was not happy to um, not wear a mask at the time, so I was conducting my business calls with this on, and apparently I was audible. Yeah, it's pretty good. We'll let you take it off, though, if you want well, to, George. Well, just just uh, to demonstrate as well, there is uh, the face shield. As well. Lovely. Double down. What, so, um, yeah. What's your experience with that now, George? Because the fact that you get a lot less people wearing masks now. So, during, well, during the pandemic, which is still going on, but during the pandemic, uh, when they, you had the regulations for people to wear masks and the like, it would often be sort of like, you know, frowning at people that weren't wearing them. Whereas now, I suppose you're in the minority if you are wearing one. What, what, what is, did you? 
get that is that you know so if someone's coming to do work in your house are you getting people thinking why is this person wearing a mask or do you it, it, it varies so some people will be like absolutely no problem i'll wear a mask as well anyone that comes to the house i ask them to do a lateral flow uh beforehand it's probably a bit problematic now that they're not widely available to everyone but that's okay i'll provide them um so very mixed um i i think yeah that the general messaging i guess i've had off a lot of people is that you just need to get out of this now you just need to stop like get on with life uh it's it's for the living um and it's like well yeah but i quite like to carry on living which is kind of why i'm doing this mm. so um yeah mixed mixed reactions definitely but i think uh i've gone through the kind of real low of um i guess not really understanding how we don't have a sense of collective responsibility um whereas i completely understand why people want to pretend covid is over um and i guess also feeling just really really upset that we we don't seem to want to have a really kind of caring society but i live in a bit of an ideal world in my head so yeah it's been tough i won't lie We do hope that you've enjoyed this Business Disability Forum podcast, uh, if you don't mind me asking. We've had so many great people on, and it's been a great pleasure to talk to all of them and to share their variety of experiences. And we're pleased to announce that there are plans for a second season in this series in the near future. If you'd like to be involved or know of anyone that you think should be invited on, please do get in touch with us. And thank you, everyone, for listening and watching. Thank you for listening. You can find future episodes on major streaming platforms, search Business Disability Forum or at businessdisabilityforum.org.uk and search podcasts. You can also watch the series on our YouTube channel, search for Business Disability Forum. Please do share and leave us a rating. Business Disability Forum is the leading business membership organisation in disability inclusion. We work in partnership with business, government and disabled people to remove barriers to inclusion. Businessdisabilityforum.org.uk